day. So every day we start fresh because we can't affect the past, but we damn sure can make a difference today. Welcome to episode 83 of Shot Talk. It's Jennifer and Carrie. And we're back to recap 518 of the Rookie and 118 of the Rookie Feds. We had another true crime episode for the Rookie this week. Tons of Chenford moments and Feds had a complex case as well as some interpersonal storylines. And we got to see Brentson and Chenford both go like undercover this week. It mm-hmm. was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have a little bit of news, not much, um, which is fine, but the rookie promo for next week looks intense. Mm-hmm. It's a Selena centric episode slash storyline. Yeah. Love to see it. I'm so here for it. Yeah. I well, told my like, friend Holly last night, I was oh, yeah. like, I hope that this doesn't set up for a storyline that I don't want to see or like an outcome that I don't want to see. I refuse. I know. I know. I don't want I it. I don't want it. Well, and then you have like feds having things like explode and like having yeah. them, like chase people like Brenton that has to like chase people again. I'm like, oh my god, do they like get paid more for running this match? <laughs> like, what are they doing? To them? Do they ever just get to like walk like it's after really a suspect? Not. They don't. And then you have Carter and Fortune. Mm-hmm. So that'll yeah, be like, exciting. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. I just yeah, fun. Yeah. Well, not fun episodes. Just kind of. I don't know. Exciting episodes though for next week. Like I'm glad that the shows are back. Yeah. At least I'm for ex- a time. I'm excited to see the Selena story unfold more because I just know that Lisette is gonna eat that up. Like I just know it. She yeah. is. I mean, she has been on a few other shows where she's really been able to like dive deep into the character and like have centric episodes and stuff, and she's killed it every time. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then ABC released an episode description for April 4th, but it's a rebroadcast episode. So it looks like after next week, we'll have another break, uh, which we figured was kind of, kind of coming just so that they can end the season in May around the other shows ending. Um, and so 510 and 110 will be airing that night. And so as of right now, we don't know how long that break will be, but I'm sure that we'll know more soon. So yeah, it looks like We've got to break the first week of April, which will be good, I guess. I mean, after a few weeks of, like, no new episodes, we came back with a great one, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I mean, because if they end their season, like, mid-May or, you know, third week of May, then, I mean, they still have a few episodes, so I can't imagine they'd take more than another three two-week break maybe yeah yeah I mean I'm sure that it'll be like I'm like I feel like this break will be the last one that we have but they could always throw in like an off week but I wouldn't think so because they have what they have three episodes left so maybe they will take like another three-ish week break yeah and then just play 19 through 22 or no no, because they air 19 20, next week. Well, yeah, yeah 20, 20, 20 through 22. Yeah. <laughs> we can count. Yeah. We're awake. Yeah. It's fine. It's great. <laughs> but do you want to take us through the last piece of news? As always, our favorite podcast, Eric and Rosalind's He Said Andy Ho, has a new episode. 
they're fantastic we love them and seriously though if you guys haven't listened to it just like you can start in like on any episode really yeah and just like dive right in you don't have to start at the beginning yeah but there's I listened to the one that was released on Monday and it was just kind of like a news catch up kind of like catch up about them and it was hilarious like they were talking about their roles like in the house or whatever and Eric was like yeah like there's comments about how we just don't get along and like we fight and they were like but that's like real life that's our dynamic yeah yeah I just literally that's them yeah and they talk about some funny stuff I've listened to it at work and like they never go like all the way there but I'm just kind of like there were okay, a few moments is... though in like earlier yeah. episodes if you've gotten yeah. that far back where it's like whoa okay <laughs> yeah I mean but, it's yeah. just it's good so yeah if you ever want to listen to something I mean besides us check them out too <laughs> shameless self-plug yeah, but yeah um so with that we'll just jump right into the episode because there was a lot so uh first up is the rookie um there was I mean just the one main storyline which was the documentary um I said it the last time when we covered the rookies true crime episode that I wasn't a huge fan of these this one changed it or at least changed my mindset a little bit on these and I don't necessarily think that it was just because of Chenford but I think it was the story overall like we knew the characters that they were talking about like it wasn't some random case kind of but like we knew how these characters uh operated and stuff and then just the comedy between like Wopez and Nyla and Gray like it was just it was solid all around but so we start off the episode Sava's picking Jake up from the from jail and you know he just did a six-month uh like sentence on a drug charge and the way that he came out in their reunion was amazing also Sava looked so good there I just can't get over the accent I don't know what kind of accent it is but it's just so good I'm like is it a New York accent like a Boston like I don't know but it's so good so good so Sava's friend Lisa is there and that's important at the end but you know she's just there to support Sava or whatever so Jake and Sava are they're like so sexy like it's something else I'm sorry but that's literally all that I could focus on right then and there and I was like oh I'm gonna be in trouble for the next hour because I cannot focus on literally anything else so we got a little trailer quote-unquote teaser for the documentary and yeah so then we see Gray like he goes out to meet the interviewer slash director for the documentary aka Alexi Holly, which it was nice to see him like actually in the episode this time besides just yeah. like hearing his voice yeah put a face to the voice even though yeah. we like knew it was him it's just yeah like you said yeah. nice to see him well and even like sometimes throughout the episode like he kind of like broke the fourth wall and like looked <laughs> at the camera and it was yeah. just so good it was so good people are already yeah. like memeing it like especially at the end yeah the like, end, I was just gonna say yeah yeah, yeah they're like Alexi when he takes away Eric's first yeah, smile and it's much. like oh you think he's mad at me <laughs> like it's yes, so good no. it's so good I was literally screaming watching this entire episode because it just like I was telling you before we started recording like it was good and when you didn't think that it could get any better it just got better like yeah. kept up in the ante yeah no, so I was laughing so much like more than 
I don't need just yeah just yeah every probably I don't know 10 minutes maybe there was something new that was like yeah. entertaining yeah so yeah so Lucy's like interviewing all by herself all nervous because this documentary is like all about her she tells the interviewer like how she originally caught the case and they ended up arresting Jake and then the lookalike thing is brought up and we cut over to Tim who is in complete denial that Jake looked anything like him and Lopez because they're interviewing together chimes in on that and Angela's like they could have been twins like you know what are you like Tim said Tim denies it and Wesley's just like why do you think they called him dim and it was this was the sneak peek and it was just so much funnier that it was Wesley saying that and not anyone else yeah (laughs) but yeah like his delivery of that was just hilarious and then he was just like so excited to like be involved like yeah no I know he was like everything so proud to just like chat (laughs) I will say at first I was a little confused as to why Bailey and Wesley were both in it because I was like they're not cops but then like as the episode went on I was like well they did have something to do with it they they just don't actually show their footage yeah but like Bailey's was a little bit of a stretch just because it's like literally her job Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be at these scenes and she was like going into it and I'm like going more into the descriptions and I'm like okay like I like Bailey but I was like she didn't really need to like be this invested in it I guess I don't know it was just kind of odd but then we see Nyla's reaction to like them being called Dim and Juicy and she's just laughing about it saying that Nick they nicknamed Tim's doppelganger Dim and she's like so proud of that I honestly just loved this entire thing I need them to like I need someone to like put both of Nyla's clips together like of her reactions when they cut back to her because it's just like laughter and then just like her trying to talk but she's still laughing yeah because that's literally me that was me watching the episode I was just like laughing the entire time yeah but and then Nolan and Selena justify like the nicknames and the interviewer asks what they called Saba and everyone just says juicy and again Lopez and Nyla's delivery of it was priceless because I mean why wouldn't it be um and I loved how Selena was in on it too and seemed like she knew everything about the case probably because she did like I'm sure when they were solving it like they clued her in on everything um but it was just funny and so I mean I guess that would mean they would have clued in Bailey and Wesley too like they're married to Mm -hmm. cops or in relationships with cops but yeah so the interviewer like recaps the timeline and confirms that Chenford like went undercover as their doppelgangers him and Juicy and the interviewer asks like if it was around then when Tim became an item Tim and Lucy became an item like he's recapping the Vegas stuff um and Lucy's just like yeah like we had to pretend at the intimacy but you know we were both in relationships at the time so like we didn't start dating until after when we wrote single and the interviewer who I'll keep calling him that but like really it's Alexi I don't know he didn't have like a specific name so I was like did I just call him Alexi yeah I didn't know what to say either (laughs) I don't know so he like wants to dial in on that and Lucy's like uh no we're not gonna talk anymore about like you know how we started dating or anything and you know just like all the juicy details and then Tim comes in and he cuts the interview off 
taking Lucy into the briefing room and like it reminded me of the Brunson stuff and the true crime episode like where they were talking and their mics were still or no it wasn't Brunson it was Laura and Mark Statless <laughs> and they were like talking and <laughs> and Laura's just like cussing the interviewer out or something like it was mm-hmm. so funny um so yeah there's the little Chenford Fed Statless parallel that we're gonna make tonight we'll probably make more but you know it's fine whatever so yeah I keep like losing my spot in this outline (laughs) this is gonna be a very chaotic episode just want to warn you right now so yeah Lucy's like we're not gonna talk about that Tim comes in um and then we see Nolan and Selena pull up to this mansion and meet Sava and her boyfriend Jake is the one that's missing and so she tells him that they were in the study. He was like going to get a beer, grab her lunch, and he just disappeared. And so then we kind of cut over to Balin. You know, they say that they were at the Beverly Hills mansion after Dim and Jake, Dim slash Jake got out of prison and him and Juicy started targeting rich people and celebrities. And like they got hired to work at their homes as like candymen, chefs, nannies, et cetera. And so then they're like, yeah, they worked at Lance Bass's house. And um, he apparently hired Jake first and then hired Sava after Jake's recommendation. And Lance said that he fired them after three days of working because they had sex on every surface of his house, which, okay. (laughs) I don't know what to do with that, but all right. And so then he emphasizes like even giving some questionable locations he's like even the diving board which i have so many questions the crate was what i just like put my head in my hands i was like what yeah why yeah yeah it's just i don't know but then no one was no one says that it was after dem and juicy were gone that lance reveals that they stole some expensive watches and jewelry and dem and juicy weren't arrested like everything was sold by the time that they were questioned um but what they didn't know at that point was that Dim and Juicy were already casing their next target, which brings us to the Boudelier's case. Um, and we see Jake beating up the old worker for the Boudelier's. And when Jake showed up the first day, like they needed a nanny. And so he brought in Saba and Angela is just like, yeah, Juicy slid right in. And Wesley's mind is in the gutter. I mean, why wouldn't it be? And he's just like, that's a really descriptive way to put that. Oh, Wesley. And he had like a smuggled smile on his face too. <laughs> like it was hilarious. I love, I love Lopez. And I love when they get to interview together. Mm-hmm. This was the second time they interviewed together, right? For a true yeah. crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they did the first one on errands. Yep. Um, but yeah, so then it turns out that Dim and Juicy worked at the Boudelier's for three weeks before Dim went missing. So a Mrs. Boudelier comes into the foyer to see Sava, aka Karen, to them because we're adding in a fourth name. Why not? And, you know, she's like, oh man, the police are here. And so she's like, she tells Mr. Boudelier that Skip, aka Jake, is missing. And so when we see the footage of them that Dim and Juicy recorded, they were in the study being all cute. And so Tim and Lucy like show the interviewer the video footage and Dim walked into the hall and never came back out. And so 
they have more footage but dim never appears and like they didn't have a theory but juicy sure did and apparently it was alien abduction and so graves just like yeah this calls for an investigation being opened and more likely like an explanation would be that there was a glitch in the security system and so when asked why dim wouldn't tell juicy where he was going graves just like well relationships are complicated and then we go over to Balin and they're like, yeah, every couple has their secrets and no matter how strong moral compasses may be, you know, like they kind of get through it or whatever. And that just gave me flashbacks to the whole like Jason ex-husband thing. And I was like, I feel like we didn't really need to bring that up in this episode, but I don't know, maybe that's just where my mind went. Yeah. And so then Lucy's like asked if her and Tim keep secrets from each other. And she's like, no, nothing big. Like, you know, I believe honesty is the best policy. And then we go over to Tim and he's like, I'm literally sitting in this office because of her, like because of a secret she kept. And yeah, I don't know. At first, my first watch, because I was doing a few other things trying to watch this. I was like, wait, what secret is he talking about? And then you had reminded me of the Metro thing. So yeah. yeah. Um, But he was like, no, like I'm literally here because of the secret <laughs> that she kept. <laughs> yeah, just Eric's deadpan never yeah. fails to amuse. Yeah. So Bailey says that it seemed like Dim and Juicy really loved each other and great. It just adds that's what makes this the next outcome like so tragic. So we cut over to Aaron pulling up to some dumpsters and he radios in that he has found Tim Bradford dead. And Tim, Lucy, and Selena are all, like, standing in the district together. And this gave me the office vibes so much. Actually, this entire episode did. But, like, this part really gave me the office vibes. And I think it was the way that they, like, zoomed in on Tim. But Tim just radio radios back. And he's like, I'm not dead. Like, I'm literally here at the station. And Selena and Lucy just give him give him like a look like what the heck is going on and that's when Aaron realized that it was them so Bailey shares that she was called out to assist with the call but like there was nothing that they could really do Dim had been dead for around 30 hours so basically since 6 p.m the day that he disappeared and so when asked if it bothered him since Dim's body like that they found Dim's body um pretty much just gone tim's like i guess like i don't i don't really know why it would bother me um and lucy's just like yeah i have nightmares about it like i'm like okay this is, that i don't know to me that's a little dramatic but also very lucy Jennifer too so mm-hmm. yeah but um yeah so then lucy talks about tim's walls being pretty high and the interviewer mentions it sounds like she's envious that he can detach himself from feeling things more easily and you know when asked if the walls make it hard to be in a relationship with Tim Lucy's like no because behind those walls he's a big softy and again we like cut over to Tim and he's like do I look like a softy and Alexi's response to that is just no sir it was just funny like he just kept saying no sir to a lot of things and I was like I love this like I love this so much so so then they have to figure out how Dim got out of the house and where he was for four hours. Um, and so Nyla and Angela are assigned to the investigation and they interviewed Sava and Juicy or Sava slash Juicy. And 
Side note, Nyla's face when the interviewer asked if he could interview Nyla was priceless. She was like, excuse me? No. She just like kept on walking. So they're talking to Sava, recording the meeting. They tell her everything about, you know, that they know about the crimes and what Sava and Jake were doing. And they tell her that she needs to come clean. And then John interrupts them to talk to Nyla and Angela. And it turns out that they found another body. They ended up finding the nanny's body. And Nyla's like, I thought the nanny was out of the picture before Sava and Jake entered. But Angela suggested that maybe they popped her before Jake beat the handyman up. um, But it turns out that the nanny's been dead for over a month. And so the handyman was beat up like three weeks ago. So the timelines don't really match. So they ask Sava about the nanny and she's like, I never met her. She was gone before Jake and I like came in. Um, And so they're like, well, can you prove that? And her and Jake were on vacation in the Caribbean at the time of the nanny's murder. Um, And so then that turns their attention to the Boudelier's. Um, and Nolan and Selena, I thought that this was cute. Like they say it at the same time and they're like, Jake's, but go ahead. Like, you know, I was just, I was just trying to add a little flair to it. Um, and so Nyla, Angela, Tim and Lucy are all talking to the Boudelieres and the couple just like, can't believe that Chenford looks like Sava and Jake or to them skipping Karen. And they're, they're just like amazed by it. And they're like, yeah, like we knew that our previous nanny Holland was missing, or they never knew that she, uh, their previous nanny was missing. And so the Boudelier say that they're the real victims there because they were scammed by Jake and Sava. But, um, you know, everyone's like, uh, no, like you guys are looking like the suspects here. And so Mrs. Boudelier blurts out the name Jesse, and we see Angela and Nyla now talking to Jesse Long, who worked for the Boudelier's as a contractor. And so like, he can't say what he did for them because he's he signed an NDA and doesn't want to get sued. Um, but they bring up that like he stopped working for the Boudelaires less than a week after she disappeared, after the old nanny disappeared. And so Angela mentions that they got a warrant for Holland's phone and that they have dozens of text messages of Jesse like harassing and threatening Holland. And the Emmy like found his DNA under her fingernails. So he's arrested. Um, and they're just like, you know, we just want you to tell us the truth, including what you did to Jake. And he claims that he did not know Jake, but he did, like, he leads them to check a room um, that could have been used, and so on the way there, like, they, on the way to their, to this room in the Boudelier's house, Tim ends up finding a secret tunnel, and so he leads the team in. I loved when Gray, like, told the cameraman um, and the interviewer to, like, stay back, but we end up seeing them go in, too, and there's like this door in the tunnel and behind the door is like a room full of stolen art and antiques bought on the black market. And so they find something and they're all shocked calling Gray over and it's a painting of him basically like Gray has a doppelganger in this. Mm-hmm. If this is not the next true crime or some type of storyline, then I don't know, like what are we doing here? Also, if Gray has a doppelganger, then everyone else has to, right? <laughs> like, I, I, I need Wolfes to have a doppel- doppelgangers. <laughs> and bonus points if they bring in Aaron Ashmore. I'm oh, yeah. Saying. I was going to say you could do Wesley's. Pretty I'm easy. Not sure. I mean, unless, you know, Lopez's would be some like straight laced, like not a, you know, not a badass. For this- yeah like furthest thing from a cop person (laughs) 
I don't know. I would I would pay a lot of money to see Nolan's doppelganger only because he would be the complete opposite of Nolan. Like he Nolan's kind of like a goody goody, whereas his doppelganger would not be. His doppelganger would probably be some like hardened criminal or something. Like it would just be funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So the, like we then cut over to an art historian and I was like lost on her but I was like okay whatever and I liked how they like had introduced everyone obviously because it's like a documentary and so you know the historian says like it's one of the generals and you know it goes into this like huge explanation and Gray's all proud of this thing he's like you know like lineage doesn't really show any connection but you know leadership runs in my family and leadership like you know is common in generals and stuff and so you know there could be a connection and like the interviewer even calls his reaction to the painting pretty priceless and Gray just pans over to the camera with one look and that's priceless like everything with Gray this episode was amazing Mm -hmm. so then we see him taking a selfie with the portrait in the vault. I must have been tweeting because I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> he was, it reminded me of Carter taking the selfies for his dating profile. I was like, That's why? Hilarious. Like, why is this happening? <laughs> also, I love it. So they then like find the hatch, which is how Dim, and Dim got out of the house, but they still needed to find out where he went and who killed him. And so the interviewer meets with Saba in his car. Or like she ended up wanting to meet with him. And she's just like, I don't really trust the police. Like if I showed them this video, then they would find some way to use it against her. And after watching it, yeah, it does not make her look very good. Um, And so the video is from two days before Jake went missing. And someone ended up trying to kill them. Like the videos of them driving and one, they're saying baby to each other and literally just being so cute and... I was like, I don't even need to see the rest of this episode. I literally just need to see all of these Jake and Saba moments like <laughs> compiled together because that's what we need for Chenford. But yeah, so like we just see Jake and Saba like running from the car accident um, after they were kind of uh, taken off the road or whatever. And so now the team has to find out who the driver was and who like why they tried to run them off the road. But before they could solve that, there was a text that came through. And the text was sent from an unknown number to Dim and Juicy, demanding an item that had been promised. And the text, like, went on to threaten violence if Juicy didn't hand the item over. And so Lucy shares that it seemed likely that whoever sent the text killed Dim. So it was now time for Lucy to go undercover as Saba. So we see everything happen. We then, like, get a Spider-Man-esque meme we're in the CIA is just like present and I'm like yeah what is going on now like at this point it was like 30 minutes into the episode and I felt like we were an hour and a half to two hours into the episode because so much mm-hmm. had happened yeah that I was like I felt like I felt that way about feds too I was like there's just a lot going on in these episodes mm-hmm. so the interviewer is trying to like interview someone from the CIA like public affairs team and she's like, yeah, I can't really speak on anything, but transparency is important for us. Yeah, like and repetitively. <laughs> yeah, it was like a robot or something. I was like, okay. And then after she kept saying that, I was like, so why did you 
agree to this like no so we cut over to gray he says that dim and meyer bialik the arms guy were distant cousins and so it turns out that tim had found out the agency was surveilling amir meyer for months but like during the deal making process amir went to barbados and met with dim um all while juicy was getting pampered um and so we cut over to her interview she's heartbroken again looks amazing she had no idea that the boudoliers weren't like a random target and what they know now is that amir pointed jake to the boudoliers but it wasn't connected to the iranian arms deal that the cia was wanting to stop turns out that it was a very special rifle in the rifle in the boudoliers fault that they were wanting so meyer had no idea meyer had realized that the boudoliers had the rifle he called amir set the meeting up um and juicy's like yeah i can't really remember what i was doing during the meeting but like i knew that i wasn't there and so the team didn't find the rifle in the house so dim must have taken it before he snuck out of the house but dim couldn't deliver it to amir who wasn't in the country yet so he took it somewhere else the question was where though so the team goes back to the car crash site ruling out amir because he wasn't there and being able to look through jake's phone messages and adding in the fact that sava told them that he always carried a burner phone with him so the cia like kept them from interrogating amir but like they did search his cell phone records and came up with an anonymous number that they tracked back to dim and it turns out that there were several text messages sent to and from that phone that were revealing like and seems r-rated because they couldn't be read aloud um, and so it turns out that Jake was cheating on Sava and Lucy describes it as like describes him as the Shakespeare of sex scene, which I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> Only because I can't, I just can't imagine it. I don't know. But, and the interviewer then asks Lucy if she'll read some of the texts and Lucy declines. Tim then declines saying, if you couldn't get Lucy to read them, what makes you think that like, I'm going to read them. And then Nolan is handed these text messages and he just like goes through them and he's like, nope, can't say that one. Can't say that one. Here's a PG one that I can say. And so he says that. And it's like the one that determined Dim's fate. All while this was happening, I was like, give them to Wesley. Wesley will read them. <laughs> I, was I think like, it's so on brand though for them to have Nolan read them. Like of right. course he's going to at least attempt to for the love of God. Yeah. Just the man's chaotic. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, Wesley just like gave us the great story, uh, the great line of why do you think they called him dim? Like, give him a few of the text messages to read, please. But also now I want to, now I want to know these text messages. Like they just (laughs) kept teasing them. I'm like, give me them. I feel like Wesley would just like start reading and like not really pay attention to what it actually is. And then it would just be like. Angela giving him a look or something uh-huh. and he's like oh or Angela's like oh okay that's enough and she like yeah. pulls the file away from him yeah I could see that oh my god I need a whole like Wopez episode like uh, just them being comedic I don't need any like pain angst trauma for them I just want them being comedic because Sean and Alyssa knock it out of the park mm-hmm. but then 
you know, we see, we find out that Dim was sending text messages to Lisa, Juicy's BFF, who was there at the jail, picking him up. And so we go back to that footage. We see Lisa's face. She looks like she's up to something. And so at that point, it started coming together for the team. Lucy couldn't handle the fact that, or Lisa couldn't handle the fact that Jake was breaking up with her. And so like, she tried to run them off the road. When that failed, she called Jake back for his forgiveness. And when they met up, like she shot him with the pistol and then ended up dumping his body. And so they went out to like, the team goes out to arrest her, even the film crews there, because at this point, like, why not? And she and I think Alexi was like sitting in the trunk of a car it looked like like <laughs> surveilling I was like this is so chaotic so she like brings out this rifle and she starts shooting or gets one shot off and we just hear like officer down we don't even see who it really is until Selena's like John John and it turns out that he's okay. The gun couldn't even punch a hole in his vest because it's imprecise weapons and the muzzle velocity is less than a small handgun, according to Angela. And Angela's just like, he's lucky Lisa didn't shoot him in the face. <laughs> I'm just like, wait. Mm-hmm. Of course, Nolan was the one that got shot by yep. an old gun. Like, of course. He made the same expression when he got shot in Nyla's first episode too so I was like okay yep it's Nolan yeah I was just like (laughs) same same body position same everything it was hilarious to me at first I thought that it did hit the vest because I was like I didn't hear Angela say you know like it's an old gun or whatever so at first I was like it hit John's vest like he's literally fine and then when I heard that there's no way that it hit his vest I'm like this man's like out here just like rolling around on the pavement like yeah (laughs) but like it was just funny it was funny and there were some tiktok reactions to this that (laughs) had me literally on the ground like I could not stop laughing (laughs) I think it's I am Mariah on tiktok was uh, her reaction was the best like that was one that I just kept watching let me see because I sent it to you yeah I oh, am that's Ryan right, Nicole mm-hmm. yeah on TikTok mm-hmm. her reaction was hilarious mm-hmm. like she live reacted the entire episode mm-hmm. so yeah John Nolan was over there rolling around on the pavement not even like really rolling around but in my mind he was it was just <laughs> funny <laughs> and I mean, then we're we glad he's to... okay but yeah. like oh, yeah, still it was just like the the guy just it the absolute most happens to him right all the time and then he is the absolute most about it I don't know so then like we go back over to Nolan (laughs) and he's like yeah it could have been much worse and Selena's like yeah like from the first day he taught me don't get shot in the face like she's totally like playing on it and I'm like okay I don't I don't know where to go with this so Selena's like, it was for Sergeant Gray. Like it was a lot worse for him. And Nolan's like, I don't think he'll appreciate that. Their dynamic and in their interview scenes was great. I mean, I've honestly just really loved the Nolan and Selena dynamic. And I cannot wait for it next week. Um, so we cut over to Gray, who's at the ceremony for this painting, you know, because it's like some important famous painting or whatever. And someone like comes up and stabs a knife into the painting. Mm-hmm. And Gray's the first one to take this dude down. Like he like tackles him down to the ground, which 
I get it. Like this guy, you know, he was kind of off his rocker or whatever. So Gray then like goes back over to the painting and he's just like torn up about it. And to the interviewer, he's like, it was an assassination and I need a minute. And I'm just like, they totally played us with this promo, but also this is the best thing ever. Yeah. And then he's like, at least I still have this. And he breaks out the selfie that he took with it. And it's a framed selfie. It's not like it's just a picture. It's in a frame. Again, I missed that too. And he shows it to the camera. And I'm just like this. This is a Michael Scott move from the office. Like <laughs> yeah. big time. And like this entire episode just oozed office vibes. So Nolan tells Gray that like he, he's needed in the bullpen. Like he comes in and interrupts the interview. And Gray's like, oh, what now? <laughs> and everyone's gathered around. And they unveil a new painting. Because they know that, you know, he was torn off about that one. And this one that they had made describes how they see him. They unveil it to show him shirtless as a dragon slayer. And they're like, do you love it? And he's like, I do. I love it. And yeah, that was one of the behind the scenes, like videos that we saw or something. Mm -hmm. And I just need to know like where he's going to put that and Luna's thoughts on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was just funny. So then we find out that Lisa's going to jail for slew the charges, but the team like didn't know what to do with Juicy and they couldn't really charge her, but you know, they just had her on conspiracy. So Wesley's like, yeah, the DA's office debated for a while, but we decided to cut her loose. I didn't think about it last night, but I wonder what Chris's reaction was to seeing Saba and like seeing how oh. like oh my where God. she was to Lucy. I didn't even think about that. I didn't either. It was like so random, but I was like, I wonder what Tim, what Chris thought of that. Um, or if, oh my God, I could see him being like Lucy and Sava's like, who's Lucy? Like, yeah, it would have been so funny. So Lucy like felt sympathy for Sava and, you know, she's hopeful that she'll use this opportunity to change. And I love how they juxtapose like every Lucy interview with Tim. Because it was very much sunshine versus grumpy. And it was like, um, I'm going to just like negate like everything that she says. So Tim's like, I'm not surprised she said that. And it's just like, Sava's going to end up in cops one way or another. And so we cut over to Sava and she's hitting on the interviewer, like asking him if he makes good money doing what he does. And he's not the only curious one around there. And I was just like, I don't know like how to feel about this because it's, technically melissa i don't know it's so weird funny. to me yeah it was funny but i was like yeah i don't know so and then then her alias karen is called at least she's still using the same name because she's mm-hmm. in a different house she could have very well used another name yeah. and she's like i gotta go and the interviewer is like are you parasiting again and she's just like call me like you know give give him my number whatever <laughs> so we Get to the end of the episode, which again felt like it was like the longest episode, but also the best episode. And we go over to Chenford, the interviewers asking them, and they're in the, the apartment, by the way. They're in Lucy's apartment, which is basically also Tim's now because it seems like he just lives there. Mm-hmm. And the interviewers asking them some things, and 
we honestly just cannot do it justice. And so we're just going to insert the entire audio clip here. So does it shake you at all? The fact that your doppelganger's relationship was so dysfunctional? That's an unfair characterization. It wasn't dysfunctional. I mean, Jake cheated with Salva's best friend after trying to cut her out of a big money deal. Fair enough, but that doesn't change the question. What are you implying? That, that we might suffer the same fate because of a couple of people who looked a tiny bit like us, they, they were misfits? I think it's a reasonable question. You're working too hard. Okay, I get it. Right, you're invested in a certain answer because it makes for a better documentary, but we are not Jake and Sava, okay? I mean, they, they are criminals whose lives were based on deceit. Of course, that duplicity infected their relationship, but we are in a very different place. Mm -hmm. And what place is that? If you don't know, then you haven't been paying attention. I mean... <laughs> Okay, so a place of honesty, respect, love. Yeah, I mean, those are, those are good words. But do those qualities guarantee that your relationship will succeed where theirs failed? Oh, wait, oh well, you know, of, of course not. But at this moment, I mean, Tim and I are in a really beautiful place. And that's all that matters. Yeah. The thing you learn early on as police officers is that your future is never certain. Yeah, anything can happen to anyone at any time. Especially if they overstay their welcome. Yeah, so, I mean, the entire episode, like, Tim's just very dad-like about it, and he's just like, the place better be spotless when we get back in an hour. And again, the way that they, like, whispered, and she was like, do you want to go get sushi? And Tim was like, yeah, that sounds perfect. Reminded me of Statless in the yeah. Feds one. And I was like, though, it's not even his house. And he's right. like, no, 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 clean up before you go. Yeah. He's basically moved in. Like, he basically has. But, I mean, I guess that's just what happens when you're so comfortable with someone. I mean, it doesn't take you long, you know, when you first start dating, if you're that comfortable. But, yeah, so it's just, it's so funny. Like, I I loved every part of this episode. But, yeah, I don't know. And I love how they, because isn't this their second true crime episode of the season or is this their first i feel like their second i might be oh, wrong yeah, no because the Aaron one was when lucy was rapping and that was last season yeah first yeah first of the season just second in the fact that feds had one last year and mm -hmm. or i mean a few months ago and then murky has one now yeah so. But this is the second where it really included for like the majority of it, if not all of it, where it really included one of the cops. You know, it wasn't like three random cases. Like, I feel like the first one was a bunch of like random cases and it was kind of hard to latch on to because it was like, we don't know these things. Like, this is the first time that we're hearing about this case. And I kind of think that's why I didn't really care for the feds one before because i was just like okay these are just kind of random things i mean they were like callbacks to cases but i was like it's not like showing us something that we already knew so yeah mm -hmm. but we do have some listener thoughts do you want to take or start us off with the first one sure uh so chrissy said loved the rookie i know some people are still annoyed 
by the lack of Chenford spicy moments. But let's just think of the possibilities with more seasons. They can't give us everything all at once. Plus, the writers are showing us the strength of their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Um, Libby had said it was so fun. Melissa and Eric just killed it. The Jake mystery was a bit confusing to follow, and their Vegas angst was good. But it, but I get it's a documentary, so they wouldn't share their private business on camera. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of, I was a little bummed that they didn't share more about their Vegas stuff, but I was kind of like, that's not the point of this one. Like, you know, they're not going to go into depth about the Vegas trip, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Polly had said, uh, loved it. Chaotic as always, but still one of my favorites this season. Did not expect Java to be exactly the way Chenford played them in 501, but I'm here for it. Eric and Melissa really delivered. They absolutely killed it. They did. They did. And honestly, I need, well, one, I need to know how fun it was for them to play essentially three different people. (laughs) I mean, I guess two, but like with three different names. And two, I need all of the behind the scenes, like videos, pictures, antics of this. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm just happy we got actual photos of them in there, like both of them in there get up so like i'm satisfied but yeah sure i wouldn't mind more <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know it was good it was good and they had a lot of different like outfits at least sava did it was mm-hmm. like wow and her hair was all different i was like oh my gosh but when they it was in the first scene like when he came out of jail i was like this this is setting us up for a good episode like a top tier mm-hmm. episode so mm-hmm. Joycelyn had said out of all the documentary episodes that they've done this one was the best it's like everything just came naturally we've had three doppelgangers now Lucy and Sava Tim and Jake and Gray with the lookalike portrait I'm still waiting to see Nolan and Rick Castle wait that's definitely that's definitely John (laughs) Nolan's that's definitely John Nolan's doppelganger that's hilarious because I oh my god yeah there you go Oh my God, send that, that send that tweet to our friend to Lauren and she will be all over that. For sure. <laughs> yeah. So I never even thought about that being his doppelganger. I love it. Mm-hmm. Valerie said, uh, I loved it. Laughed so much from Gray to Lucy and Tim to Alexi to the CIA, HR lady. Oh yeah. So many great moments and one-liners easily became one of my favorites. Yes. Cool. Love to hear it. Yeah, this is definitely an episode that, like, if I need a laugh, like, I'll go back and watch. Because it was just funny. Like, all across the board. Blessed Turtle has said, so I'm personally not the biggest fan of these particular episodes. They are the only episodes of the show that I've, like, not given a lot of my attention to. But I actually found this one quite enjoyable. First off, it was nice that we finally know who the interviewer is. And lo and behold, it's Alexi Holly himself. I like it. Very meta. On the whole, what really shined in this episode for me was its comedic moments. From Harper cracking up while saying Jake and Sava's nicknames to Gray fangirling over a painting and and then being in utter despair over the destruction of said painting to Tim getting ready to throw down with the interviewer for even implying that there's a crack in the Chenford armor. All was priceless and had me laughing so much. 
My favorite was when Nolan got shot. It's pretty morbid, I know, and it probably wasn't meant to be funny. But the fact that if anyone on the team was going to get shot with an antique gun, and obviously had to be Nolan, had me laughing so hard. The entire scene was just moi, chef's kiss for me. Same. Everything about that. Like, yeah, I mean, if anyone had to get shot by an antique gun, it was Nolan. And he did it well. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Janine had said these episodes were fire. Loved every minute. My only really big thought was maybe. Maybe. We'll oh, see yeah. That. She had she meant to say um, that we see Chenford say I love you or oh, some fe- form oh, okay. of that. Yeah. yeah. In the future. Yeah. I know a lot of people were talking about that. So Janine, yeah. you are not alone in that. Um, I legit thought that it was coming. I was sitting on the edge of my seat and I was like, this is coming. Like it's happening. I mean, they mentioned the, you know, um, oh, actually Janine's going to get to that in a second. Um, and she said, I, and I know technically they did not, uh, say the, say that they love you to one another, but love was used by Alexi. So yeah, that's what I was going to say was that like they, well, Alexi as the interviewer was like the relationships built on, you know, love trust respect all that like you know and i'm like yeah and lucy agreed that those are good words so that's i'm taking it as a win even though i know it's not an official thing um janine had said but it has to be coming up soon that they say i love you to one another yes and she also said something has to happen and the last one in the hospital was tim so i think it's um you know what if lucy were to be the one to get injured and then have worried tim and then gray having his own doppelganger was hysterical especially the selfie yeah and she's not sure which line was better when wesley said why do you think they call call jake dim or when angela said juicy slid right in and wesley called her out on it she really does love lopez same yeah same i just love when they have moments that are not filled with angst and like trauma for them Mm -hmm. because they just like their chemistry is just so good so Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know I feel like I thought that Chenford was gonna say like oh I love her so much or I love him so much but then I was like you know what I don't want it to happen here like I don't want it to be like they're not looking at each other when they say it and it's not just a moment between them you know like there was someone else there so I don't know I hope that it'll happen soon, but we'll see. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's about it for the rookie. I mean, unless we have any other notes. It was just a good episode, honestly. It was a good one to come back from, like, a hiatus from, I thought. But, yeah. I always love these kinds of episodes. So, I was, I guess, still in the minority that, (laughs) like, (laughs) I'll like it regardless of what happens. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't, like, necessarily only like it because it was Shenford, but, I mean, that, of course, helped, too, so. But it's sad that it's the end of Dim. Like, I hope that we get to still see Saba come in. I mean, she's still out there. I mean, that's true. She's still out there causing trouble. (laughs) Yeah, being Karen, which I thought it was interesting that they used the name Karen, because I was like, I don't know. Like in society now, Karen's yeah, it's not the not, the, not 
yeah good name yeah <laughs> but it was interesting so yeah with that we'll go over into the rookie feds now because this was a chaotic episode as well take yeah, us away so many things um <laughs> Literally, even like in the beginning scene, though, because it like you start off with Simone meeting Naomi for breakfast, and she's you know talking about how yes, she's tired, but you know she can't take her foot off the gas now. And Naomi's like, "Well, you've probably run yourself a little bit ragged." And then, kind of in the middle of their conversation, there's a dog that kind of uh, like runs up to them, and Simone notices that there's blood on the dog, and it kind of I don't really know how to describe it it was like a quick pan over or like an awkward kind of camera cut or edit but it then shows them running across the street I'm assuming yeah um, to where the woman was and she was walking it looked like a bunch of uh, dogs Uh, but the robbers stole her client's keys so uh, Naomi asks for a list of the names and addresses so they can you know track these people down did you Um, catch the parallel to the rookie when chenford had the blood on the white dog no but i saw someone tweeted it i think it was emily yeah i didn't think of the parallel either in the first place but i was like oh after i saw that tweet like love that love parallels Mm -hmm. yeah um and then it kind of we cut over there um to carter and laura and they're going over simone and brendan's four-month progress report uh with garza and the two of them are arguing over who has the tougher rookie like carter with simone or laura with brendan i love that that was like the biggest deal to them i'm like why why are you guys like making this into a whole thing like you both have tough rookies Uh uh-huh yeah uh, and I just thought it was so funny that Brendan like literally went into the room because like they kept looking at him. So he's like, "Did you guys need me? What's going on?" Like, "Hello." Um, and he and then he's like, "Oh, is that my file?" And he gets like curious, but Garza insists they're just finishing up a senior meeting, aka Brendan needs to leave. So uh, <laughs> he's just so like precious about it too. He's like, yeah. "Oh." okay i'll be out there yeah he's like sorry (laughs) so so apologetic um and so he's getting ready to leave but not before matt asks if he's seen simone and he hasn't um and then speaking of simone she ends up calling uh garza and he tells her that they were just talking about her because as carter said she was late or is late and this is where we get the, you know, she stumbled upon a diplomatic uh, or an international incident. Um, and she is telling them about the case a little bit. And then it kind of like we see them go from being on the phone to in the well, it's the LAPD set, not necessarily the um, Mid Wilshire division, but that same set um and simone is saying that before the lapd could i guess mobilize on the suspects uh two houses had already actually been robbed 
and it's important because one of which belongs to a man named Victor Soroka, and he's the Council General for the Republic of Belarus. So uh, it's a federal case because I guess the uh, suspect stole a diplomatic pouch and Naomi had reached out to the uh, consulate, but she did not call the State Department, leaving that for Garza to deal with. Oh, and I thought that was funny because he was like, thank you so much. Yeah. For that. <laughs> She's like, I'm not doing any more work than I need to. Yeah. Like, this yeah. is a feds thing, not an LAPD thing. Yeah. Uh, and then we see a woman walk in. Garza seems to know her uh, and introduces her as Rada Ryback. And she is the secretary counsel in Los- and she's in Los Angeles um, to meet on behalf of the general. And so she kind of just, you know, meets with Garza, Simone, and Carter, and Naomi, and she's saying how she can't really do anything for them but she was just kind of making an introduction because apparently the general's getting ready for a state dinner so they can't really talk to him at the moment but Garza's like well no see we still need to ask him what was in the pouch (laughs) and so they do try to ask Mr. Soroka uh and he gives that well Garza and Carter do uh and he gives them a bogus answer and he doesn't really budge but Garza gives him his card and says to contact him or if not like if he doesn't then they'll circle back and contact Mm -hmm. him again and see here's where it gets interesting because then you have them speaking Russian which thank god they had the uh translation across the stream yeah yeah uh because the pouch wasn't even brought uh like Soroka was not the one that brought in a pouch anyway and it wasn't even for him it was like it was brought in like Costa was the one that brought it in and um so then we cut over a lot of cuts in this episode Mm -hmm. uh cut over to Laura asking Brendan if he's had any luck tracing the van this was a sneak peek that we saw uh so he tracked it through the street cameras he lost it in the dead zone though but he did get enough info on it to get that it's a 2009 Econoline and he used the software that he uh created to match the dents from vehicles that have been captured on camera within the last few weeks and I still don't really understand that whole the technology thing that's okay yeah. Because I mean, it's just it cracks me up though that Laura assumes that he wants her to be impressed by this. Mm-hmm. He's like, Well, are you? And no, only results impress her. Uh the entire and- like moment of this. I was like, <laughs> he's looking for some praise, and she's like, I'm not giving it to you. Like, yeah. this is not that easy. Yeah. Cracked me up so much. And, like, uh-huh. they released the rookie sneak peek and the Fed sneak peek, like, back to back. I was like, yeah. I've lost all productivity on my Saturday or whatever it was. I was like, great. Mm-hmm. We're really thriving here. Yeah. Yeah. And he wonders if she's kind of holding back on her critique of him. And I just, oh, my God, I just thought it was so funny 
like because he's like well if I'm coming up short like you can tell me and I'm just Mm -hmm. like I just think back to the I don't even know what it was like he was breaking into a room or something in the door and then she's like you have performance anxiety like just all the little things I can't with that like I I just can't it's too funny they're so Um, great it's so funny and so she kind of notices though that something is off with him and uh she tries to ask him about it but before he answers the system that he has set up it beeps and ta-da they've got a match on the vehicle and its owner uh who is named trip madsen and they have an address in hollywood too so and you know those are results so those do impress laura which is you know one point for brendan today uh and so we do see Brenson, Simone, and Naomi. They go to raid Tripp's house and they bust in, finding the stolen goods, presumably from this morning, but there's still no pouch. And as they kind of are moving into the main room, they swear that they see people being thrown from the roof. Yeah. And I was like, what the heck? Like when Laura yeah. said, what the? I was like, oh no. Like, that was crazy to me. They were, like, um, on a wild goose chase because they were mm-hmm. just, like, running all around this building. I'm like, mm-hmm. what is going on? Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, so, Brenson goes up to the roof. Simone and Naomi will cover the street. And so, the, well, the, they, it's assumed that, like, it's the suspect, so singular, um, that threw the other two men trip included off the roof is in the wind and they escaped through a different building so he was kind of like spider-man for lack of a better Mm -hmm. analogy and like jumped from the roof into the other building smashing the window presumably with his feet like i don't understand just wow crazy um but we then do see that there are two suspects um or two people that um got away with the pouch and they were saying that they're you know to contact uh nazar and that they have the pouch and they're back in business but uh it's not long after they say that that uh soroka's right hand uh named eric attacks the two men and uh victor comes out and finds the pouch in one of the guy's bags and so while the feds still don't have the pouch and don't know where it is they do have the two victims phones uh and while most of the files are corrupted on them they still can get access to the recent photos which do show them what's in the pouch apparently it's currency plates for the 20 dollar bill and not that that's like anything, but I'm just like, why not? Is there no currency plates for a hundred dollar bills? Like why 20? I just right. didn't understand why 20. Um, but anyway, I won't even pretend <laughs> to understand anything about currency. Um, but yeah, I just that was just like my first thought was why not hundred? <laughs> but honestly, like, why so, does it matter? Yeah. Well, honestly, like I was. I was with this episode. I was following this episode until they got to like this part. And then I was like, yeah, I'm so lost because my head was still in the clouds from the rookie episode. So I was like, like 
trying to hang on to this episode and then once they got to this currency part I was like you've lost me like <laughs> I, I can't do it because feds just gets very like heavy with the jargon and the storyline that sometimes it's like being on after the rookie it's a lot but yeah after these episodes I was like oh my gosh I yeah like I wasn't even tweeting that much for feds because I was like I don't know what to say like I <laughs> yeah but yeah uh, and so again, cuts over. Um, well, it's Brendan telling Laura about how popular he is in Belarus, and I just love how her response and Garza's response were the same. And yes, why am I not surprised? <laughs> um, so that was great. And it cuts back to uh Soroka, and it turns out his son was the one that his like bodyguard had attacked and he was the one that had the pouch in the backpack i mean i kind of gathered that when he when soroka had um come up to him and was like you're such a disappointment or whatever and Mm -hmm. i was like well yeah that's usually something personal you don't say that to someone you might know yeah Um, and so although the currency plates are counterfeit like even though the feds know that piece they don't have enough to go on as to why this is happening essentially uh and so garza goes to rada for help and basically is saying hey if you help us out maybe you could be the new general as opposed to being second in command uh and so uh Ryback provides him insight uh, telling him to focus on Costa, uh, which is uh, Victor's son. And Matt then asks her to put two names on the guest list for the, well, he said like party, but then it was also called a reception uh, yeah. at the consulate uh, tonight. And so it kind of, again, cuts away. Um, but apparently they're I don't even know what to call it like reviewing Costa's file uh and basically he has immunity in Belarus and the only way that the FBI can arrest him is if that's revoked which is as Carter says a big lift uh as in a big thing to do and so with that immunity he basically has gotten away with every crime and so obviously he's feeling invincible and this is also where Garza details the plan for Brenton to go undercover at the reception, because while Brenton steals all the focus, going as himself as, you know, vampire cop, uh, Laura will break into the safe that's in the consulate office, and she's going as Brenton's publicist <laughs> named Bibby Baxter. I can't even say it without like smiling it's so funny like i can't blame simone for being like um listen boss you yeah. should let me come up with the name <laughs> i just want to know where like he came up with that name at yeah i don't know also like don't they have just like a set of names that they are or that they have mm-hmm. for like undercover I like remember know. in pd when vanessa rojas joined platt yeah. was like yeah your undercover alias is maria whatever like obviously that's a different show they have different protocols or whatever they like follow different stuff but like don't they just have like a set 
Well, yeah, because I thought they gave like Simona file or whatever, or told her one time when she went undercover what she or who she was going to be, rather. Yeah. But like, don't they just kind of use like a set catalog of names? They obviously can't use the same one every single time, but yeah, I don't know. Bibby Baxter, where did that one come from? (laughs) I don't know, but it's so fun. Just I think it's the first name. I don't even. Yeah. I have never heard that in in my entire life same i've heard of libby and i've heard of like abby like b-i-t-t-y um i also want to know like who in the feds and like police force come up with those names is it like Hmm. identity people or people that like print the like ids and everything like i just want to know i just want to know who comes up with these names who's like okay laura Sensen gets baby baxter and simone gets <laughs> you know whatever else like i don't know i just think it'd be really cool to know that yeah <laughs> so random but mm-hmm. yeah and so garza already has the entry code for the save so laura's basically set i thought it was interesting though that we did get to kind of see laura being slightly unsure of herself yes. and being um you know not one to be like oh no it's okay like I got it you don't have to you know say no right. more kind of thing she was very much like um my safe cracking skills are not what they yeah. used to be I'm gonna need a minute her um, Brendan totally flipped because Brendan was very sure of himself yeah and Laura was like I don't know about that mm-hmm. she looked amazing Mm-hmm. looked amazing so did brendan i mean mm-hmm. come on they were just yeah chef's kiss right there mm-hmm. yeah um and so carter wonders aloud what would happen if they got into trouble over there since they're on sovereign territory and simone being the best friend ever <laughs> for brendan was you know saying speak for yourself i'm going to mama bear if anything happens to him and i was like now wait a minute who's gonna be like go get laura like hello yeah. i was like oh i was like laura i'll save you <laughs> love her i mean i would think that simone would too or yeah, carter I was would like, i was just like oh like yeah like why are we only <laughs> yeah. talking for brendan here yeah yeah and um, give laura some love yeah um but anyway so Brinson are inside uh, the party. They have eyes on Victor, but there's no sign of the kid yet, as Laura said. Um, I also didn't know what kind of drink she took from the tray. I didn't know if it was like wine, champagne, whatever. Um, obviously, Brendan's saying no when the server offers him some. Yeah. Uh, and they're kind of just making, I don't know, like idle small talk. Uh, and Laura's not picking up on all the Belarus love when cue the fangirls who introduce themselves and we get yeah. two amazing things in this scene which one being the you know question of is this your girlfriend and he's like no no this is my publicist I just thought it was so funny because like Laura had the same kind of I don't even know how else to describe it besides like the WTF look <laughs> Mm-hmm. during this whole entire exchange especially when the one girl literally like wedges herself between her and Brendan yeah. and I was like it was so funny I like meme worthy reactions from her yes which I wouldn't expect anything less but uh 
yeah. So basically the distraction parts of their undercover operation is going well. Uh, and so it kind of cuts uh, Simone and, well, Simone, Carter, and Garza are in the uh, surveillance van. And Carter sees that Simone's kind of chugging, I'm assuming to be coffee. Uh, and he asks if she's already tired and, you know, because as her training agent, it's his job to make sure she's fit for duty. And Simone says, no, I'm good. You know, no one else worries about her more than her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simone is the whole move, like chugging the coffee mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. being like, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, back at the party we see well that you know like laura's like taking pictures or whatever for the um the women and then they also want to take a blood shot and says everyone has to do one and um you know brendan with his sobriety is you know that's a nerve-wracking thing i mean i'll get more into it a little bit later but um you know simone being a good friend was you know like you got this and he ever so stealthily dumps it into the plant um, that was like beside him. And so it's kind of while all this drinking, quote unquote, uh, is happening that Laura kind of uh, ducks out and heads into the office and she does manage to get the safe open. But just as she has eyes on the plates, uh, she's knocked out by someone. We don't know who yet. Um, and so it cuts back to Brendan still obviously in the main room with the rest of the uh, party. And he kind of asks, like, since Simone's, he has the earpiece in, so he's kind of asking um, if, you know, what's going on with Laura. Uh, they hadn't had any contact with her. So Garza's was like, hey, you're going to go check on her. And so he finds the safe is open. The plates are gone, but there's no sign of Laura yet until he kind of hears her like muffled voice um and finds her tied up under a table mm-hmm. I was like why couldn't she I mean not that I need her to be like tied up or whatever but like why like shove her under a table right I mean I know she's small but like come on like what is this like why yeah. are you shoving her under a, or a desk I guess rather? unless they figured someone like could walk in and see her and be like what's yeah. going on yeah. but even then wasn't it like well I guess it wasn't obviously a private room if Brendan and Laura were able to get in yeah I don't know I just didn't understand I just you know why go this extra yeah that to put her under furniture um but so she's like obviously she's like conscious now um and so Brendan helps her get out of the whatever restraint was used to tie her up and just as they're kind of, I don't know, standing up, um, Soroka returns to his office. I just thought Their it was shocked so faces funny. were funny. Yeah, I was like, in any other situation. Yeah. <laughs> like, you wouldn't really know what the heck they were doing in there. Right. <laughs> I mean, one could infer a lot of things. <laughs> so it just cracked me up because, yeah, like you said, their expressions were like spot on. Hilarity. Yeah. Um, and so obviously he's very upset that there are two people he doesn't know who they are standing in his office and um they're kind of 
I don't really know how to describe Brendan and Laura. They're like, they don't really say much. They like don't really know mm-hmm. what exactly to do until Garza's kind of like, okay, you're going to tell him that his phone's going to ring. Yeah. And then lo and behold, his cell phone does ring. And uh, it's Garza. He's dialed in and tells Victor to pretty much uh, let them leave. And he's like, well, why should I do that? I'm going to hold a press conference, you know, about the FBI breaking into the consulate. And Garza's rebuttal is, okay, then I'll hold a press conference about how Belarus is planning to devalue the U.S. dollar with counterfeits. So basically, let them leave or else they're kind of going to go into an all-out war. Yeah. And so presumably Brenson's escorted out unharmed because we don't really see that part I just thought they're like their expressions were so funny like they kept looking at each other and then looking down and then looking at each other and looking down like they felt like they were like literally like two people being caught I mean they were caught but just like I don't know they were just so like awkward (laughs) yeah it was so good yeah um and so I mean they're unharmed minus Laura's scrape on her head um which that looked pretty bad I was like oh yeah it looks like a pretty deep cut yeah um and so back at the office uh Antoinette's collecting evidence of Laura's attacker off of her dress and (laughs) I just again I just appreciate her humor so much because she's like can you burn it after you're done? Yeah. Because I want no I want no part of this failure dress. And I was like, we can't keep it. Like I like it. I don't yeah. know. I mean it's a good look. Um and then like Brendan stayed in his clothes, didn't he? Like mm-hmm. he stayed in his undercover clothes. Yeah. Which I thought was funny. But I guess it's because he wasn't like necessarily undercover, undercover. Like yeah. he was probably just wearing his normal work clothes anyway. Mm-hmm. So yeah and so Garza tells Antoinette if she could rush that I mean they figure it's Costa who broke in and stole the plates back just like the FBI were trying to do but they need hard evidence to prove that and again more cuts um next scene we see Carter ask Simone what she's doing with the homework she has which are a couple of binders full of information and She's going to look at files of the Belarusian government and look up information on counterfeiting. Again, another person telling her, you should maybe rest. But um, obviously, Simone's going to do what Simone is going to do, (laughs) pretty much. Um, And so Carter kind of, he turns his attention to Laura and asks how she's doing with everything because, you know, Costa could have killed her. But she's like, but he didn't. So I'm good. And she just wants to go, I guess, change out of her, uh, the failure dress. <laughs> and so we see Simone uh, driving home. She almost falls asleep at the wheel and kind of, I don't know, like veers off the road a little bit. Um, and so she, I'm assuming, called Naomi the next morning to talk. And that's why uh, she met up at, well, Cuddy's house really um and you know she admits that she's been doing so much for so long everything just kind of caught up with her and Naomi says she needs to rest her mind and you know or else she's gonna burn herself out in six months 
And speaking of Cuddy, we finally got to see Cuddy. Um, yes. And, you know, he meets uh, Naomi and Simone emphasizes that she's just a friend. <laughs> um, Which I thought was kind of funny. Just because it's like, I don't, I'm totally fine if they are strictly platonic. I just don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're trying to build towards something or not. Like, yeah. I don't know if I should infer that every time right I kind of like that Simone just had like a what do they say like gal pal yeah <laughs> for lack of a better term because it's like that like meets her energy a little bit more yeah. like I feel like if they were to go there in terms of a romantic relationship like yeah it could work but I also feel like what makes a good relationship is when opposites attract and they're yeah. so much similar yeah. I feel like that mm, they are very similar but also they're very much the grumpy sunshine dynamic mm-hmm. and we've seen it in castle and obviously in the rookie and rookie feds that mm-hmm. alexi holly like kills it with that trope <laughs> every time yeah so even in just partnerships it doesn't even have to be relationships mm-hmm. so yeah and so uh they did get a hit off of Laura's dress and yes it was Costa who attacked her just like they thought um it then cuts over we see Costa um printing off the money obviously using the plates that he stole back and uh we also got a scene which I thought was nice of like Brendan stopping by to pick up Simone because uh Naomi had asked earlier if you know she needs dropped off and she was like no Brendan's gonna come by uh and they do get to chat for a minute before garza texts them and asks them to do some work on the case but simone's like we can kind of cut out the the secret service part of it because we can just go and talk to cuddy's chess buddies because they're russian and so they go to see anton a friend of cuddy's but he says he'll only help them if simone can beat him in a chess match so uh we do get to see their game play out and she does win so he does end up making the calls to people that you know may or may not be involved to try to get a location for them and so carter and simone go to visit someone named mr verovin and then gunfire erupts it was a giant hole in the door i know i was like It's like that's not just one bullet, is it? No, or that's not like, like a normal bullet. Yeah, I was like, what the heck was that? It may as well have been like a cannon. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so um gunfire ups, Carter um kicks in the rest of the door while uh the guy's reloading and gets him to put down the gun so he and Simone can, you know, take them for the counterfeit money and you know maybe they can't charge Barovin, but simone tries to charm his friend by saying essentially that she'll make an introduction to brendan because the guy's such a fan of vampire cop if he tells them what they need to know and they need to know where costa is and the guy tells them that he is on the hunt for rada and we do see Costa try to attack Rada in, I don't even know what it was, a park? Uh, I don't know yeah. where exactly she was. Um, and he does fire off, like, rounds. Um, 
but Brunson pulls up and see this is what happens when I watched the I don't even know what to call it like the side by side the behind the scenes versus the final cut of that scene because they took out the part of Brendan shooting Mm -hmm. the guy so I was watching the scene and I was like oh no it's gonna be another weirdly edited thing and I was like oh no Brendan shoots him okay that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so Brendan uh shoots Costa I guess wants to kind of uh take him down um and then Laura ends up uh arresting him and so at the end of the episode uh Carter and Laura are talking in the elevator and she mentions you know that she has her weekly FaceTime dinner date with Atlas and that's happening and you know she's still a little kind of I don't know like it's still bugging her what happened um and so he'll you know she'll want to talk about it with him and Carter tries to tell her that Brendan's the worst rookie so she wins but she's not taking the pity victory (laughs) so they both kind of agree that they're that Simone and Brendan are both equal pains in their asses and I'm like (laughs) I can't um and I also didn't realize that I mean 14 more months to go for their training so 18 months total which is the 1.5 years which is the same for the rookie which I didn't I didn't think it was going to be the same I don't know but I mean I guess that makes sense in the rookie universe right (laughs) kind of uh and so um at the end of the episode we see that uh Naomi stops by Simone's uh with a like uh I don't even know what's called like a knitting kit or knitting set I don't know I'm not a knitter Mm -hmm. I don't know um (laughs) like the yarn and the thread and whatever um right and so she's thinking that okay maybe this can help you know relax uh her mind and body and you know if that doesn't work then they'll find something else that will so they give it a go and so yeah that that was nice though that like because I feel like Simone is kind of very much a person that is like not set in her ways but just like you know kind of like okay I'm gonna do this whether you like it or not yeah so it was kind of nice kind of to stubborn just, yeah so it was kind of nice that Naomi kept circling back and you know really emphasizing that she should take care of herself yeah yeah so I like that but that was kind of the end for their like major case which had a lot and honestly like the whole Garza reconnecting with his old friend thing was literally just that he knows Rada from his counterintelligence days which is like I don't know like I didn't know what I kind of just forgot that Garza had done something else before he was the SSA for this unit um I feel like they didn't really emphasize that like that they were old friends as much as the episode description kind of made it seem like it but also that's so vague anyway I don't know yeah Mm -hmm. it just felt like it was going to be emphasized a little bit more yeah um and you know I mean because we did have Carter earlier in the um, episode ask you know like how do you know her and so that's why he had mentioned for his counter from his counterintelligence days and he is kind of uh initially saying that they really can't trust her or anyone from that side really because once a spy always a spy uh 
but you know by the end of the episode they're kind of singing a different tune um because we do see Rada and Garza like cheers um with drinks in his office and um she actually knew what Costa was doing but diplomatically her hands were tied Mm -hmm. um but you know they're kind of they're cheersing celebrating that you know she's now the new uh council general of Belarus and she also technically asked Garza out to dinner (laughs) and I was like okay like I didn't like but when would they do that (laughs) right yeah. they're both busy with work yeah like when in the world would they do that so unless they bring her back I don't what I don't know it's fine I get it it was just you know like banter for them but I was just yeah. like oh like I don't know I can't just why say it if it's not gonna happen maybe it will happen right. I don't know I don't but- know because I feel like they brought in Candace mm-hmm. and then it was kind of like okay we're not gonna see her again mm-hmm. And they've kind of done that with Rada too. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there another one that was kind of Garza's friend? They have they brought him in once and then didn't bring him back. I don't know, but I feel like they're kind of doing that more with like Garza and not so much like with anyone else. Yeah, but maybe it's different because it's like Atlas and Fortune and mm-hmm. Antoinette and like even Dina and now Naomi like their potential like relationships or they are relationships i don't know yeah it's different yeah well because it's like we didn't actually see because i'll go into the brendan sponsor side story next we didn't actually see his sponsor yeah (laughs) or his wife (laughs) yeah i thought by the episode description that we would like it was just kind of odd um and so for that part, um, at the beginning of the episode, we had Antoinette and Brendan being all cute. Uh, and she's talking in hypotheticals, but not really, because she wonders why he like left her um, in bed this morning. And he uh, had said that Michelle called him. And she's like, yeah, that's not helping your case. And but yeah. he reassures her um, it's his sponsor's wife. And uh, she had called him worried about her husband brandy who is brendan's sponsor and so when brendan went to look for him he found him at a dive bar he was hammered and he had essentially lost 10 years of sobriety uh but he is home safe now Mm -hmm. and so antoinette asks if he wants to talk but he says he's okay and he's kind of that's when he ducks into the office and kind of asks like oh did you guys need me or something um and again kind of a theme of like people like circling back around like checking on people because Antoinette you know when she hears that Brendan's going undercover at a party she stops him on her way out and because he's yeah she's worried um and Simone knew of Brendan's sobriety, but did not know that his sponsor had fallen off the wagon. Mm-hmm. What did you think when when Antoinette told Simone? Like, because at first I was like, Simone doesn't know about Brendan's sobriety, right? And so, yeah, I didn't know what to think. I mean, yeah. I guess I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> at first, I, I was know. like, that's not really her place to tell, no. like Simone not really but then after Simone was like oh yeah like I know I was like okay well yeah. that's a little different now like 
I mean, I kind of, I don't know why I didn't think Brendan wouldn't have told Simone about it before. Like they're such good friends, but I was kind of like, even if Simone did like already knew, I felt like Antoinette was kind of like overstepping in a way. I mean, I get it. Like she wants to watch out for him, but I was kind of like, I mean, Simone knows about his sobriety as it is. And like, he's going to know about, or she's going to know that this case should be hard for him. Yeah. I mean, I guess just because they haven't had a lot of, um, I don't know what else to call it, like best friend scenes for Simone and Brendan that we just haven't had them, just the two of them talk about their lives outside of the job or what else. We need more of that. Yeah. And so I don't know if that's just their way of like working it in just to make sure that we know that she knows. Yeah. (laughs) Um, If we get a season two, we should put that on our wish list. Yeah. 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 Um, and so she reassures Antoinette. She's like, okay, I'll, you know, I got it. You know, I'll watch out for him. Um, and literally though, Simone is me (laughs) seeing Brendan all dressed up. I was like, she does it. Like she doesn't hold back. And I was like, dang, okay. Like she's saying everyone's thinking, honestly. So yeah. 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 Um, and I just I I enjoyed how Brendan was like um no see Laura's got to do all the work I just have to go and be me <laughs> like he was like he didn't honest. really see, yeah like he didn't really think much of it um, I love him. yeah um but then Simone had reminded him well it's, you know you're going undercover as the old version of himself and you know the old Brendan used to drink at parties like this and she reminds him, you know, that at Quantico, they, you know, he'd hold on to one drink all night until Simone accidentally spilled it on him. But since she won't be right by his side, she's concerned. Which, see, this is what I, okay, this is, I don't know if this would, see, it wouldn't even really make sense, though, for him to tell Laura because they don't really talk about shit like that. Right. So I don't know why I'm thinking that. But then when she said, as soon as Simone said that, I was like, okay, well, then the logical thing would be for him to have let Laura know. Yeah, like you would think that he would have said, hey, by the way, like, I'm not going to be able to take a drink or something like, but then I don't know, like, you know, he sees how she is when he tries to tell her something or talks about like his acting career and she just kind of shuts him down. I could see where he's like, no, like, I'm going to keep that part of me guarded and secretive because I don't want her criticism, criticisms of it. Yeah. But know, didn't like, he, didn't she find something out though when we met his dad and that kind of changed her mind about him or something? Yeah. I mean, so it's like she, like, she knows that he has like stuff in his past. So it's yeah. not like, and like he knows that she's not nowhere near perfect either, even though she tried right. to, you know, like fake it. So I don't know. It just didn't like I can see what I can see what you're saying, but then I'm also like it just like makes logical sense to me. But yeah, then in no, some ways does. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. Well, especially like when she was behind him and he's standing at the bar. Like, mm-hmm. did she not see him throw that drink in the plant? Yeah. Well, and then like why the you know women were like, okay, just Brendan has to do it. Like everyone yeah. I thought would imply Laura yeah. as well. Yeah, it was kind of odd yeah so I didn't know but anyway and I would think them being like 
partners-esque, you know, her, she's his training agent and everything that he would be like, I'm going to disclose this because this very well could get us in trouble or get us made, you know? Yeah. It was kind of odd that he didn't tell her, but I also get it. You know, he's had his like kind of feelings hurt by her criticisms before. So, yeah. Well, and it's like, I feel like, I mean, it might be that, but then I also feel like just when he was saying, you know, Randy's his guy, he saved his life. So it's like, Mm -hmm. if he fell off the wagon, then what if, you know, that same thing could happen to him? So I feel like, yeah, he was doubting himself. And so I feel like he just didn't want to open up that, like that part of him to like someone else new to have more thoughts and more opinions and more you know things inside his head like there's already so much going on well and Laura would have thoughts and opinions on it like we all know that she would Mm -hmm. so um but you know Simone reminds him she'll be in his ear and he's got this so that was good and so obviously like I said like the you know he stealthily tossed the drink back in the plants so that was good he avoided you know that potentially triggering scenario um and so back in the office after laura and matt leave uh brendan asks antoinette why she told simone about his sponsor falling off the wagon and she told him it was because she was worried about him and he still insisted he's fine he and laura have that in common in this episode <laughs> insisting that they're fine yeah when they're obviously not fine um and she can Antoinette can see that he's not and he kind of you know tells her that he's done everything you're not supposed to do in your first year of recovery like moving Mm -hmm. uh to and you know moving starting a new job having a new relationship and nothing really is making sense to him right now and she kind of wonders what he's hinting at if it's you know about them Mm -hmm. um but he can't talk about it with her there he'll try to call her later but right now he has to go and see randy get his newcomer chip which i'm assuming is like the day one yeah um in an aa meeting um which i thought was nice like that he did that but it kind of again it made me wish that we had seen who randy is yeah um definitely yeah but at least we had a nice moment for Antoinette and Brendan because I was worried for them I was like oh no like Mm -hmm. dang it like I didn't want them to end on that bad note um yeah and so they um you know later Antoinette says that if you know Brendan wants to give up on them before they've even started then that's fine but that's on him um I like that she kind of stood up for herself in a way and yeah. it's just like if you do this then that's your fault it's not my fault because here right. you know she's like here I am trying to make this work well I feel like too like he gets in his head a lot about their relationship and I get that because he's a recovering alcoholic and like you know he's new to all of this and like he's had a huge life change but it's also like he's very guarded like he yeah. I don't know. I would love to know more about his past, like, relationships and stuff, you know, like, outside of 
his family and like you know romantic relationships because he's had to have been hurt or like deceived by people to where he does have such a guard up because I mean it's not just about like the you know fame at this point like he's keeping things from people until he like has to share them Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah um and brendan you know tells her that he's hurt people when he drank he you know is implying that he's worried about that possibly happening and but Antoinette's like no like i'm willing to put in the work she knows what she's getting into um and so they kind of so they're still good like they're in a good spot Mm -hmm. and of course they speak in french and they hug like the adorable duo that they are so i was fine with that the rookie feds giving us kevin zieger speaking in french is literally the best thing that's ever happened i just like i again i still need my friend Kristen hasn't watched um feds yet so i need her Mm -hmm. to catch up so she can like just because i like when people that actually understand the language hear something because yeah. i don't understand a darn word that they're saying yeah. and i sometimes the captions go so fast that i can't even yeah. read english yeah no i we have a couple of friends that haven't watched feds yet and they're like waiting until the summer and i'm like you have to watch feds like right now because it's so good yeah but yeah so so that's where we ended uh with that storyline and that's the end of me talking about the episode (laughs) (laughs) it was a good one Mm -hmm. it was a good one yep Yep. i don't know i like we obviously don't know if we're getting seasons six and two of their respective shows Mm. but i kind of hope that if we do they swap the time slots oh god can they please i will like i will pay so much money in the whole entire world i will give them all the money i have same swap time slots same i feel like a lot of the rookie fans if not all of them at least that we follow on twitter feel that way i feel like even the tiktok fans feel that way too like i love both shows but i feel like feds needs to go first because it's so like heavy in the language and the topics and like just everything that I feel like it just needs to go first especially because the rookie has such a bigger fan base like give them the later time slot too I don't know it just but I can see why they do fed second because their rookie having the big fan base leads into the rookie feds and they're hoping that people will watch feds after but I feel like season one of feds has proven itself like flip the time slots please we're all (laughs) begging at this point yeah yeah so Mm -hmm. but nonetheless they're all great episodes so Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. we don't have any listener thoughts for the feds which is fine Mm -hmm. i feel like people are still kind of getting into the group of watching and kind of like getting into it i mean i know people that will watch it like the next day like they just can't they don't have the bandwidth to watch it the night that it airs live too so Mm -hmm. They watched the next day, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so with that, you guys can find us on Twitter at the shop talk pod underscore or email us at shop talk the rookie podcast at gmail.com with all of your thoughts. 
And we are also on Twitter individually as well. I'm at Carrie Hyman. And I'm at jstark804. And we're on TikTok, obviously. If you guys don't follow us, you should. Because Jennifer, again, all Jennifer. I do nothing with TikTok. I don't think I'll ever do anything with TikTok. Um, should. I know, I should. Um, she creates the content for us uh, over at the Shop Talk podcast underscore. And Honestly, the rookie getting on there, the rookie universe getting on there has reignited it. I know. Like, yeah, no, it's been so good. Yeah. Yeah. They they liked one of our comments on like one of the first yeah. posts that they did. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's, I was like, okay, now please follow us <laughs> on TikTok and on Twitter. Shameless <laughs> self-plug. You know, we're, we're your favorite podcast, so. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and so if you liked this episode and Shop Talk, you know, leave us a rating and review. It just helps out the podcast and helps other fans find us. Oh, and next week we will be back recapping, what is it, 519 and mm-hmm. 119 of the Rookie yes. and the Rookie Feds, so. It'll be a Selena Juarez love fest over here. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah, because we love Selena and we love Lissa. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but that's it. We will talk to you guys next week. Yep. Bye. Bye, guys. Go get them, boo.